The following podcast is an audio version of a live show that takes place daily on Crowdcast. To join our live audience, visit our Crowdcast website at crowdcast.io slash in lieu of fun. That's crowdcast.io slash in lieu of fun. Live, I'm going to click the blue go live button. Click. And we're live. It is Tuesday, October 19th, 2021, 5.01 p.m. And I have a story to tell you related to the iconic view that you are now seeing over Jordan Ellenberg's shoulders, the essence of Wisconsin, proto-OG Wisconsin view, uh, the Union Terrace or whatever it's called. The other day, I was scrolling Twitter and I came upon what is now my new favorite Twitter feed, at Terrible Maps. And the at Terrible Maps Twitter feed um, is uh, approximately as dear to my heart as the old Spurious Correlations website used to be um, until Spurious Correlations hung up his spur Zeus and went to law school and became a lawyer. Uh, that's a true story, by the way. Um, but the spirit of Spurious Correlations left his body and entered whoever it is who produces the terrible maps um, uh, page uh, on Twitter. And at Terrible Maps had, I think, a very important map the other day, which uh, I call upon you to look up if you haven't. It was a map of the legality of owning a kangaroo in the United States. Um, and Wait, we don't have to, they don't have to, well, hold on, I'll just show it. Yeah, we can we can actually bring up the map, um, and and uh, the the green uh, states and there are only three of them here. Um, you can actually own a kangaroo in the United States without a permit, whereas most states you'll see are red, and uh, that includes. The District of Columbia, you can't own a kangaroo even with a permit. Note that in New York, where Kate is, it's a no kangaroo state. Fascist. Um, yeah. Um, but in Wisconsin, um, you can own a kangaroo without a permit. And I just want to say there there are constitutional rights at issue here. I mean, there are, you know, you have your Second Amendment right to keep and bear arms. This is a kangaroo. You can own a kangaroo in Wisconsin with no kangaroo permit. Kangaroo arms. That's right. For kangaroo kangaroo Punching. arms. Punching. Yeah. And, um, and so... Sorry, I had to do that. I thought of... Immediately when I saw this, the only two in lieu of fun guests we have had uh, on the show who uh, um, uh, are from Wisconsin, 
those are Charlie Sykes and Jordan Ellenberg, and I immediately pointed out to them that they have the right to kangaroo, unrestricted kangaroo ownership. Um, See, that is not what I thought of when I saw that. You know who I thought of, one of the, in lieu of fun guests when I saw that map? Mm-hmm. Um, Mike Chase. Just because I feel oh. like Mike Chase, like, makes it his business to know bizarre antiquated laws that are not enforced. Or That's like, true. Right. Uh, although so, it's not, I, I know this not one's a not a law. criminal statute, not, you know, it's not criminal and it's state by state. It's not federal. So like, I get it, but that's like, that's where my mind went. But anyways, so, all that being said, all that being said, all that being said, I immediately flagged this for Jordan who did what any red blooded American would do. He notified me that he was going out to buy a kangaroo um, because uh, he could. And he even told me that that was why he had moved to Wisconsin in the first place. So Jordan Ellenberg, we are not allowed to have fun anymore. And unlike you, we are not allowed to have kangaroos, at least not without a permit. When did you decide to buy a kangaroo? I pity the fool who can't have a kangaroo. I just want to start <laughs> with that. I think and that I'm sorry a great for line. The, I'm sorry for the connectivity problems. There are, as you can imagine, almost everyone here has a kangaroo. And so they, there. I think that the routers inside campus are often kicked by people's <laughs> kangaroos who are allowed to roam off leash inside the student union. And so um, if I depart again, just know that the router has been the subject of a vicious kangaroo kick. Will you remind me what's the what's the other state? Ben, there was two states on West the terrible Virginia. map, right? You said it last night. It's West um, Virginia and South Carolina, yeah. three states that you can have. But the thing is, if you are in West Virginia, you have to be represented by Joe Manchin, and if you're in South Carolina, you have to be represented by Lindsey Graham. Whereas in Wisconsin, you can be represented by, you know, uh, Ron Johnson. So that's better. I I wanted to... I wanted... <laughs> Ron Johnson, who doesn't know that Social Security is inflation adjusted. Right. Oh, my God. I, like, um, I was actually thinking today, Jordan, we were... Jordan agreed to come on 40, 30, 30, 45 minutes ago, something like that. Um, yeah, how many people and, did you try to get before you wrote me 45 minutes before your uh, oh, like podcast actually went not, out, many. not many. Not many. Yeah. So we like, just belatedly put the show together together yeah. today. Um, but we, um, but I was going to say that, like, basically, uh, I, coincidentally with this weird fixation that Ben has on kangaroos uh, today, um, I was discussing the possibility of getting emu if I, like if like John and I someday move outside of New York city and I was trying to figure out how um, to get emu and John was saying that they're not good for anything, but they're kind of like llamas. Did you know that they like guard things like llamas are excellent garters of sheep and goats and emu are like excellent garters of, and they also have these giant blue eggs that are t approximately 10 eggs, like worth 10, 10 chicken eggs worth of eggs. So that's like 500, and they lay about 50 of them a year. So it's like 500 eggs. So that actually seems like good value. I think I need an emu. 
I've never tried to steal anything from an emu, so I guess I did not know this factoid about them being good guards <laughs> of things. I would <laughs> Well, I, I, after my recent research into the cassowary, um, uh, which is kind of like an emu on meth, um, that has really? sharp, oh my God, they are so terrifying. Somebody sent me one as a prospective beast of the day. It has a like knife like claw. Uh, well, one of its talons is like sharpened into a dagger and it can stab you to death with its foot. It's the scariest bird in the world. I'm just laughing because while I think in the Zoom era, when you say that somebody sent you one, you meant that somebody emailed you a picture of one, but I like to imagine that just a big cardboard box appeared at your door and someone had sent you a cassette. <laughs> it stalked out. You it's like a fragile. <laughs> like, and then like, yeah. just like, oh my God. Well, check, check out the, um, there is a, a cassowary stabbing to death of somebody in Georgia not too long ago. The um, uh, the the newspaper stories about which are like genuinely upsetting <laughs> um, just ran him through. Um, ha, have you guys? So sorry, well, not look, to if, in we're weird gonna talk, if we're going to talk about weird animals, that's just going to be what we're going to talk about. Did you guys see the thing about the 90 or something like rattlesnakes that were cleared out from under the person's house? They were the beast of the day the other day. Oh, they were? Uh, yeah, that was kind of, that was kind of gross. I didn't um, see it, but I thought we were going to talk about if we're going to talk about charismatic megafauna and their relation with political economy, I thought we were going to talk about the hundreds of capybaras that have invaded the upscale neighborhood of Buenos Aires. Yes. In some kind why of... I think we should... don't I have a capybara yet? Like, why? Like, what is, the, where's the fucking map to see if I can have a capybara? Like, I mean, do oh, we can make this about politics. Do you remember when Rudy Giuliani went after ferrets? Does anyone remember this? I don't remember that, but it's, you mean as pets? Yeah, he banned them in New York. And people went apeshit. Have you seen the footage of the capybaras? It's hard to imagine it's not actually viral marketing for sort of some kind of like gently satirical Argentine political movie. <laughs> so for right, those who reverse, do not know this story, I, reverse I just want to say if we are talking capybaras with Jordan, I and have to disclose um, that when I was probably 13, I first learned that the capybara was the world's largest rodent yeah. from one Jordan Ellenberg, then probably 11, who read it somewhere and f found it important to come tell me this. And ever since then, he and I have had a joke that the capybara is actually only the second largest rodent in the world because Jordan himself is the largest rodent in the world. And why this joke has remained funny these 40 years, I really can't tell you. But, um, well, but... we can all agree that it has remained as funny as it was at the start. <laughs> Yes. I think it's because I can like imagine but, but yes. eleven year old Ben and eleven year old Jordan like having this conversation and then laughing hilariously Ben's at it and looking me, back on it, it's pretty cute. Don't say <laughs> I'm as old as Ben. I'm not nearly as old as Ben. Yeah, that's right. He's Jordan is two years younger than I am, almost to the day. Um, but I will say that um, 
Uh, I do remember a particularly witty Jordan Allenbergism from our early teen years that, again, I cannot imagine why we both found so funny at the time when Jordan um, announced that he was now six feet tall, which was one point, uh, one and a half feet longer than the pathetic capybara that uh, was, <laughs> you know, was second in the room. Oh my room. God. Why isn't that your Twitter profile, Jordan? Like exactly what, like exactly like 1.5 capybaras, like long. Like that's all you have to, like that should just be your, like measure things in capybaras. You could write like a whole children's book about this. Like, I think what what this has shown, and what I want just to make clear to everyone is that when it comes to capybara enthusiasm, you guys are getting here, but I've been here. I just want I just want to lay down that. All right. So what happened in Argentina? Yeah. What did happen with the capybara? So there was a genteel suburban like neighborhood, a gated, of Buenos like Aires. a gated community? gated community, I think. But the gates were no match for the enterprising capybara. Capybarae. Capybara, um, who just sort of like came in and found, you know, I mean, there's nothing nicer to graze on, I'm told, than a beautifully jewel-like manicured lawn of a well-fed Argentine. And that is exactly what the capybaras are doing. And they're just kind of, you know, they don't have, I don't think they have predators who live in the city limits of Buenos Aires. Um, and so it's sort of like a beautiful symbol of the fact that you can only manicure your life so much. Nature is always there, ready to sort so, of So how many capybaras have invaded this neighborhood? The pictures are amazing. It's like, I'm going to find this picture and then I'm going to yeah, share I was, it. I mean, you know, it's hard to know. It's, it's, it's hard to know because, of course, the pictures are chosen for high capybara density. It's like, you know, when they sort of show you some like <laughs> riot and it's like one trash can that's sort of smoldering and they sort of shoot it so that it looks like the whole city is a flame. So, I mean, I think it's, I'm sure that they shoot the maximally capybaric. Uh, yeah, but know. it sure looks like a lot of capybaras. It's like hundreds, right? I would say hundreds based on. Right, well, it's, it's as Trump would say, it's the what? most capybaras that have ever gathered in a gated community. <laughs> <That's> a... <laughs> I mean, yeah, this is uh, okay. Hold on, I'm finding these pictures. I, I'm seeing them. Uh, there's someone's alarm is going off. I think it's John. Um, wow, I'm not seeing. I'm, I'm not seeing like hundreds of them. I'm just seeing like a couple hanging. Uh, out. There's capybara video here for those. Uh, let's uh, hang on. I'm I. As soon as the ad is done, I will share it. Okay, okay, here we go. But something I think is true for sure, at least it's true in the Midwest, and I wonder if it's true for you guys, is that because of the, thing, because of the reduction of traffic caused by the pandemic, there are just more mammals around every kind in populated areas. Oh, are we seeing the, the capybaras? Let's, let's watch the video first. Let's go to the videotape. Ben, your dogs are really loud. I think they're your dogs. <gasps> um, right? So cute!
I get one? I don't understand. Why can't I have one of these? This is amazing. I think if you lived in Wisconsin, you could have one without a permit. I think that that's right. That's the best argument besides cheese that I've ever heard for Wisconsin and Jordan Ellenberg that I've heard for Wisconsin. I have not. Do we know for a fact that I could have a capybara? No. No, I just made that up. Okay, I, hope I will say, however, that one cool thing about capybaras that we did not know when we were teenagers is that the capybara is uh, unusual in that it will raise the young of virtually any mammal. And so in zoos, when they have orphaned animals, they just give them to the capybaras. Wait, so you're Did saying I ever... if I had a capybara, not only would it be cute and impress the neighbors, but it would like take care of my kids for me? What's the Your kids are, are past nursing age, Jordan. <laughs> no, what I'm saying it's an opportunity missed. That's what I'm saying. Had I had a capybara like 15 years ago. Oh my God. I will say that like this reminds me. Did I ever tell you, Ben, have I told the story on the show about like the, the pigs and tiger costume story? Well, yes, but probably not since most people on it have been on. So try again. Are we Do drinking again. already? I didn't know that. Yeah, but it's non-alcoholic, so um, oh, okay. it's not very exciting. Um, it's not bad. All of these new, like, fangled, like, non-alcoholic beers are, like, quite excellent. Um, the, uh, so, oh, uh, so anyway, so when I, my first job out of college was at ABC News, and I was an associate producer for the website, it was kind of a great job. And um, I was, it was like, pro, it was 2006, 2007. So it was like proto, like kind of news blog days. And at some point, the vice president of all of ABC News, who will go unnamed, he was one of the vice presidents, sends this, um, this chain email that has been like, remember how people used to have like chain emails, like when they'd forward them and forward them and forward them. And they sent this chain email you around. Do you all not have a dad? What? You oh, no. I, I filter I, I literally filter him. Like there is a guy like, I don't get those emails anymore. But um the uh basically uh he like one of the emails that had gone around was this fake news, and this is like people just don't remember this about misinformation. It was an email that was supposedly a story of a a zoo in San Francisco that had had a, a tiger like mother had lost all of her cubs. And so they, and she was, had stopped eating and was so sad. And like, they needed her to like, and like, to, to like want to live. And so they dressed up a bunch of baby piglets and tiny little tiger costumes and put them with this tiger mother. Uh, and like the mu and like instead of eating the piglets, like this tiger had nursed all of these baby piglets with her tiger milk, and like this whole thing. And the vice president, one of the vice presidents of of like ABC News, sends this to like my producer and my boss in charge of me, and says, "This is excellent. We should do something on this." And my producer turns to me and goes. Kate make a slideshow and she's like slideshows are like the thing like right because like you make these stupid captions and you get all these clicks and this was like before there was a fancy word for it like called surveillance capitalism 
Uh, but anyways, and I go, I don't think I can get the rights to these photos. And I don't think this story is real. And then sure enough, I like Snopes did. They still had Snopes in like 2006. And it's like actually a zoo that like special, it's like all the photos are from a zoo in Thailand that like specializes in weird cohabitation of animals that should hate each other uh, and like want to eat each other and like raising them together. Um, and so I report this back to my producer and my producer goes, I don't care. Like make the slideshow. <laughs> and I was like, no. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to get to be the one that gets fired. I mean, maybe I left shortly thereafter, but it was like one of these amazing stories of like, I mean, in retrospect, looking back, she probably wanted me to be like, there's an email hoax going around and this is the cute way to look at it. Like, isn't this fun? And I was just like, we can't get rights to these photos. Like this legally, we can't do this. This is insane. But this was like, I mean, I actually, I wish more people had that kind of story as background. Wait, so, Kate, are you telling me that all along this famous Amy Chua book about the tiger mother, that actually the reason it was so hard for her children to learn to play the piano was that they were actually tiny piglets that she had been fooled into thinking were human beings? She's actually not at a zoo in it. Thailand. She's actually at a zoo in Thailand and not at all at Yale. Like, it's just that is like... Actually, is Yale is kind of like a zoo in Thailand. Um, Okay, we can say that now because Scott's not here and Mateo won't get too offended. Um, so I have a serious question for you, Jordan, which is how long before that beautiful weather in Wisconsin that you're experiencing now becomes like the uninhabitable, disgusting winter of the far north? Can I just show you guys the fucking beautiful terrace? I'm just going to move away and show you guys. Well, every day here let's look let's look at the scene look at the scene everybody's kind of hanging out this is so lovely after moving my laptop around so it's hard to um it basically today ben today is it but this is the time of year when it could be low 70s and gorgeous as it is right now today and i think it's going to be sort of 50 and rainy tomorrow and it'll sort of oscillate like that sort of throughout but we don't know sometimes it snows on halloween we just part of the joy of it ben is that you just don't know and you sit out on the lake while you can and nuzzle your pet kangaroo and drink beer and um because you just never any day any and the day pet kangaroo can carry beers for you in its pet pouch and then like, tomorrow, and so, tomorrow we're buried in snow, eating the roasted flanks of our kangaroo for warmth. Yeah, like the capybara is just like on a spit next to you over the fire. No, we don't. We don't eat capybaras. They're too like. Oh, by the way, people do eat fighting. capybaras. I know they do. That's fighting. why I made the joke. We're fighting. Yeah, I I think. You know, fighting we... with Ron Johnson for the last piece of kangaroo as we like <laughs> struggles for survival in the frozen wasteland. Back, Ron, back. That's right. All I right. Like him with the kangaroo femur. We are going to start bringing in audience members for questions. Uh, I just warn you, the questions fine. have to be framed in terms of kangaroos or capybaras. You can ask whatever you want, but. Uh, didn't Wisconsin have a very reasonable congressperson or senator at one point? Wasn't Russ Feingold like a Wisconsin senator? Am I like, making that up? No, you're not oh, making that, it up. That was real. That really oh. happened. Bella yeah, that Rid seems like a very long time ago. 
fellow Madison <laughs> Blue, Russ Feingold. Richard Wattenbarger, the floor is yours. What is your capybara or pet kangaroo question today? My, my, um, uh, my, okay, my, my pet kangaroo. So, so how are, um, how are kangaroos with number theory? How, how are they with, how, how do kangaroos do with number theory? Are they, uh, can they, can they kick some real like prime number ass or something? That is a great question. I would say um, we do talk a lot about like hopping from prime number to prime number. That is like a term of art in our field. So I, I guess uh, I guess they could be useful for that. I, I'm trying to do something with pouch. I got nothing. I got nothing. <laughs> well, so I I do have a, I have a similar question though. I you know I I remember. So I, I, I was a math undergrad, and I remember struggling for hours and hours to get three-line proofs um, for in a number three um, course, and it was like I was having an existential crisis. And uh, you know, I tentatively I I I traced it back to uh, you know something having to do with having been raised by capybaras, but um, <laughs> you know I, I'm not sure what that was. Uh, how that was. I was wondering if you'd ever had any any experiences like that, and if uh, you know, and how did capybaras um, uh, play into this? I mean, obviously, what's great about doing math for a living is that you just have like existential crises every day. That's just the nature of the thing, and then which can I think can be soothed by rubbing some large furry creature that's in your lap, which could be a capybara, or it could be a kangaroo, or it could be any number of this sort of charismatic mega and completely Wisconsin legal fauna that we have available to us here. I love so all of this. I also love like your quick, your quick like nomenclature around how to like describe the animals that we're talking about as charismatic megafauna. Which I like, I like, I like, I like to think that it would have taken me like, if I was like, that's like some, that seems like the capacity of like a, like a New Yorker editor or something no, phrase, to like, kind of like, it, it's an actual phrase. Really? I wish I made it up. It's, but it's, it's but the, the charismatic megafauna are all extinct. No, I think like, like a harp seal is a charismatic, but the, the idea is this, in environmental so. circles, they're like, What's really important is, you know, that the plankton are okay. If the plankton are not okay, we're all fucked. But you can't get people to give money to save the plankton. You can only get money to, for people to give money to give money to save the whales that eat the plankton. So charismatic megafauna is sort of a term of art in environmental circles where you're like, what are the animals so cute that people will actually open up their checkbooks? I don't think them? that's what charismatic megafauna means. Yes, it is. No, he's I, right. I looked it up. That's what I, I thought, thought I thought charismatic megafauna were like the ice age giant mammals that all went extinct. No, you're actually no. Like Jordan is correct. Who's right? You're Jordan's correct. Uh, examples include Bengal charismatic megafauna. This is according to Wikipedia, which is basically God. Um, are animal species that are large of the relevant category they represent it with symbolic value, value or widespread popular appeal and are often used in environmental activists to gain public support for environmental goals, including Bengal tigers, African lions, blue whales, humpback whales, giant pandas, bald eagles, California condors, harp seals, and penguins, among countless others. 
Huh. Yeah. Well, I was completely oh, wrong. Seals. I always oh, thought it was like the giant nothing. ground sloth. Yeah, no, those um, are, no, I mean, I yeah. It's they clearly would be charismatic thing. megafauna were they still around to be used in fundraising. I think the giant ground sloth is one of the great all-time beasts and... Blue-footed um, booby. I like the blue-footed booby. And the what, the dodo bird. Oh, and that then, one's dead. Yeah, but that's why it's not a charismatic You should call it the once charismatic giant ground sloth. <laughs> yeah, the, the formerly charismatic. <laughs> charismatic while still with us. Christopher Argerus, you and your uh, midriff... Have the floor. <laughs> you stole a... Hi, Jordan. Um, so I think you can tell Out of... my question is coming up. Uh, That's great. When, when the new president Northwestern from uh, Chancellor of UW uh, was announced last week, um, you tweeted, uh, has been, Chancellor Blank has been a great leader for UW Madison through complicated times, and I just plain like her. I wish her all the best of luck at the second best school north of Chicago. <laughs> so that's, that was a great tweet. Um, I just returned from uh, the second best school uh, north of Chicago for the weekend. Uh, um, I just would like to uh, uh, I don't know where that's not coming from me. Uh, I just like to get some insight in, into uh, uh, what, what she's like as a university leader and as a person that you like so well. Jordan, are you there? But I can't hear. Oh, you okay. can't hear? He, he asked basically like what you like about... Um, Jordan, I, refresh your screen. Mm. Let's do this. Let's bring him back in okay uh that's fine um uh well christopher argerus once again broke in lieu of fun can you hear now jordan ellenberg okay there's a sequence of very loud Yes, there's a sequence of very loud sounds that happens in the terrace every afternoon, which is the nuclear power plant cooling and then the foghorn. And I forgot that that was going to happen. Sorry. <laughs> All right. Um, um, but I think uh, now it's so, done. So Chris Ardris asked basically that um, that the uh, the chancellor of UW is uh, leaving to go to Northwestern, and he was wondering um, if you had any thoughts about her as a leader or a person. Yeah, first of all, UW is the one in Seattle, and we're UW. Always important to keep in mind. Um, oh, sorry, I that was my mistake, not not Chris's mistake. Yeah. I I like I shortened. Is that true? Yeah, I didn't know that. Yes. You know, like, I'm not Why very good. I'm not good at these things. Like Michigan and Michigan's. Like I never knew that Michigan. It was always Michigan State, and that they never said uh, they never said CIT. They say Caltech. Like never say CIT. True, that is true. But, I didn't know uh, that when I was in college and applying to schools, and so 
I looked like an idiot when I applied to Caltech and said CIT in my application like 10 times. <laughs> um, wouldn't it? Um, wouldn't it be great if Becky Blank walked by the terrace right now and I could put her on? But she probably won't. But um, but yes, I have nothing but good things to say about her, and I think she'll be great for Northwestern. I mean, I will say this: you know, she has shown, to my mind, an incredible deafness, deftness, not deafness, um, in navigating. You know, running a gigantic institution filled with pain in the ass faculty members such as myself. Um, while also sort of dealing with the state legislature and the responsibilities of essentially managing a public trust. That has not been easy, and there has been a lot of very narrow channels that she's had to navigate this place through. Um, and it's in a very healthy place right now. It's growing very fast. Want to hear something controversial? This year, for the first time ever, and I think people don't really know this, um, kids from Wisconsin are a minority of our freshman class. That has never happened before at the University of Wisconsin. And it's a pretty interesting shift uh, in what we're doing. Um, and that's been, I think, largely brought about uh, by Chancellor Blank. We have the same number of Wisconsin Is it a good thing or a bad thing? I'd say it's a good thing. You'll hear different views. But we have the same number of Wisconsin students we've always had. We've just enlarged. We've just brought in more students from out of state than we had before. So we're not we're not doing less of the thing that it's our state mission to do, but we're doing more of other stuff. Um, so at Northwestern, you know, the particular skills she has of being able to work with a legislature, which is very specialized, and I hope to hell we can find someone else who can do it, that she won't need to do at Northwestern. But um, in just the other ways of like running a big, gigantic machine, Northwestern isn't quite as gigantic as here, but it's still a sizable school. Um, I think she'll be great. I have a lot of faith in her. Cool. That's great. Daniel, just as the question was going to, we were going to open it up, the, you popped up on screen. Uh, so you get the next question. So I have a completely non-serious question, which is if you had to guesstimate how many illegally owned kangaroos are in the United States. How would you do it without knowing anything about other than what's on that map? about state law or kangaroo ownership interests on the part of Americans. How would you go about it? This is like the jelly bean question. Like how many jelly beans are in the jar? Except but there's with, a, there's no jar. There's kangaroos and it's like roughly grouped by states, but some states allow them. I think a thousand, just based on my theory that America is a very big country and there's a thousand of anything, no matter how weird it is. There's probably a thousand of it. What do you how, would you how would you estimate it, Kate? Uh, I would think I would actually kind of do it by like, I think there's probably a lot fewer than that. I don't like I think I would estimate it by guessing how many like how many like illegally owned tiger or, or legally or illegally owned exotics like tigers or lions there are and those are probably an order of magnitude more attractive to people to have than kangaroos so i would say there's probably a dozen so i would guess that there is many more than a thousand and the reason i would guess that is that just as there are, you know, cat people who fill whole cat houses 
with cats, there is somebody who you don't by him, they would have him or herself special about this or something. owns a thousand. Uh, it's like three people together own 10,000 kangaroos. And I, I just think that's like, I don't know which state they're in, but I, I think that's just very likely. And so I would I guess that there's... Wrong, but I think Ben's more wrong. <laughs> I think there's going to be 10,000 illegally owned kangaroos. Um, there is an oh, you think there's one about that has a 3,000 strong illegal herd. Guys... Just you're gonna see some more scenery because I have to move to a place where I can get a plug because my laptop's running low on battery. So okay. So meanwhile, Kate, 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 tell us about the Atlas Obscura article about America's secret kangaroo problem. Um, it turns out that apparently um, there are errant kangaroos um, in Indiana and Oklahoma, and there's like populations of them, and. Uh, there's a small breeding colony, but no, I think that I'm right. I think that it's, um, yeah, it's like, it's, it's actually a phantom philosophy. There are no like actual kangaroos that, uh, that exist in the wild in the U S and it doesn't seem like there's a secret population of them privately owned. Um, I'm trying to, I think I'm closer to right than you guys are. Um, there is apparently a thing called a phantom kangaroo though. What's a uh, phantom kangaroo? It's like literally when pe- it's like kind of a Bigfoot thing where they, they see prints of kangaroos feet uh, and they in places where there's no native population, but they see kangaroo prints somewhere. Mm. Um, it sounds um, wow. This is like there's like a whole thing about this phantom kangaroos. Who the hell knew this? Weird. This is why we do in lieu of fun to make ourselves Google uh, such uh, I'm important using questions right now. So I okay. Just, no. um, so the, Jordan, how much of that did you hear? Um, something about the America's national kangaroo. That's problem. correct. Yeah, that's all I heard. I was focused John on getting ha- power and. John Hawkins. The point is, I'm right. There are no, thousands, not. tens of thousands of, of feral kangaroos <laughs> hopping all over Indiana. John Hawkinson, the floor is yours. Well, Kate, having proved me so, right. For Jordan, uh, I want to bring this back to copybuyers because, you know, they're really what's important here. And there's, it's important to correct a misconception that's been explained on the show. It turns out that copybuyers are legal in New York State, but not in New York City. And so the question is really, what, Jordan, do you think we should do to put pressure on the parents' clinic to house a capybara for Kate's temporary use or occasional use, uh, you know, in New York State? Or what other mechanism can we have for, for Kate to get a capybara that's, that's not illicit? Like maybe Genevieve could house it for her? I don't know. What do you think, Jordan? I, I, I guess I just think like... At last, a use for Long Island. I'm very excited about this. Like it's like convenient to the city, and you can have a, and you can have a capybara. I'm like, these. They are are very. I'm I'm like, I'm not wedded. I can leave New York City to have a capybara. Like does a I would, capybara I would count that. as a charismatic megafauna? Yes, it's increasingly. I, well, it's really not endangered in any way. So I, like, I, I, don't, I would I would think so. Mateo Caraba 
The floor belongs to you and your bunk bed. Thanks, Ben. Uh, here, real quick, uh, not related to my question at all, but I've been looking into kangaroo and wallaby food, and it looks like <laughs> there's a factory in the United States that produces it, which suggests that there's sufficient volume of kangaroos here to make that an economical decision. So, ben, Although we right. were talking about only the illegal kangaroos. So then we'll uh, have to track out the zoo's purchases and then... <laughs> Uh, I don't know. Well, and then the entire state of Wisconsin. And the state of Wisconsin. Um, all right. All right. Um, How have we sustained this for 40 minutes? I don't I even don't know. understand. I'm very but impressed we're with that. Still the going better strong. question is how it's been sustained for 532 hours. <laughs> um, Sick burn, Mateo. You're I've been crushed. here for 200 of them, so it's a burn on me. Um, so my question is uh, for Jordan, um, what's your favorite open problem or closed problem uh, or proof? Just generally math wise, preferably, but. Oh, one of my favorites is the Kakea problem. Maybe it's, I've been thinking about it this week. We all have our problems mm. that we're probably will never solve, but every year mm. or so you come back to them and think about them quite, uh, mm. quite fervently. And the nature of this problem that we won't go into the details but if you have some region in space which contains a short line segment in every direction how big does that region have to be i mean if you have like a sphere or something that clearly contains like a line segment in every direction but you can do it with regions that are much much smaller than that and the question is how small how can you efficiently layer those line segments in all those different directions on top of each other it's a very very fiendishly difficult problem which i've just this week fooled myself into once again thinking i have an idea about which probably won't work like all my other ideas but i'll probably never stop coming back to it i'll tell is you it, the first what's 3d called? space in particular or what is the is it oh, for 3d space in, in particular or is space known in two-dimensional space in two dimensions it's known and the question is for all higher dimensional spaces hmm all right, Do you have thoughts on this, Mateo? I'm Got any gonna, ideas for Jordan? I have a three-hour drive, and I'm going to be imagining versions of this and probably and getting interested in it. But uh, I'm ten years of school away from being able to give Jordan advice. Somebody um, just a, a postdoc in England just solved the piatic cacao problem, which is a version of this problem, and I'm very excited about understanding the new ideas. In, uh, in this guy's proof. So that's what that's that's the latest uh, development. What's the that's why I think version? What would that look like? So you got, uh, um, if, you, if, if someone wants to search for P-Attic Kakea Conjecture, there'll be a link to this new preprint by Arsofsky mm -hmm. and, uh, and they can post it. It's like a six page paper, it's great. I tried to prove this like for 10 years and this guy proved it in six pages, very impressive. And oh, so awesome. where does the word Kakea come from? Is it like a reference a to a coconut? No, it's a guy. Oh, it's a person. Well, I, um, I, I thought it would, might be a kind of kangaroo or something. I don't even know how to spell it. it probably is also. It. I mean, it's also the name of my kangaroo. I thought that was clear. Yeah. Okay. So there's Just a. Checking. So I have a question for you, Mateo. Do you hmm. think the magnets work in space? Is this a trick question? That magnets Wait, like why wouldn't they? these kind of magnets? Do I think that they work in space? Probably, yeah. 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 Yeah, I do. Okay. Is this like a setup for a joke? 
No, I just like woke up the other day and had a dream that Magnus suddenly didn't work in space for reasons that no one could understand. And so I woke up and made sure that they could still work in space. And so like that was that's that good was because, <laughs> you know, we wouldn't want to keep sending magnets up into well, space if they I weren't going to work. What, what would happen was, badly if they didn't work in space? Would stuff start uh, falling out? Um, no, in the in my dream, a lot of like power, like there were like anyways, it was, it was a weird, right it was now. a nonsensical dream. But in any event, it was a very weird. I was just, I was just gonna see if it was like. It struck well, me Lisa, as I woke up and I was like, "Man, what's going on?" Like Lisa, had, according to the chat, had a dream that I was writing a cookbook. So I guess I should write a cookbook. Oh, that would be great. Yeah, I have to say one of the greatest intellectual experiences of my life was taking physics in college where they teach you that magnetism has to exist. Like if you know how electricity works and if you believe in relativity, then there has to be magnetism. That was like amazing that you can just derive that there must be such a thing. That, yeah. that blew my mind. I just thought I would share that. So I um, have a very important question for you, Jordan, which is, um, would you enjoy writing an advice column? I do enjoy giving advice in real life, but I wonder if that suggests that I would or would not enjoy writing an advice column. I don't know. Boy, I have thought about a lot of different things, but that is one I have never devoted even a second of thought. That's, to that's why I'm asking, because it's good to hit somebody with a question that like they would n have never thought about before. I feel like he probably would be yes, probably it. probably yes. I think you'd you'd enjoy I think, writing. I think the answer to this question for any form of writing is like, could I put jokes in it? And if the answer is yes, then I would probably like doing it. And for advice column, the answer is clearly yes. If you ask me what I like writing legislation, then like for that same reason, probably no. That's a yeah. good rule. Is there I've been, think funny I've been thinking about writing an advice column. You would say is humorous. I've been thinking about writing an, an advice column ever since uh, uh, somebody suggested it on the show, and and I'm you know just just interested in whether other people are interested in writing advice columns. Okay, we have Michael Mann and a previously non-introduced to the in lieu of fun audience canine. So uh, <laughs> so let's say left. hello. I also Dog. saw. Dog, a, dog. Another person in the background. Oh yeah, my partner is working next to me. Oh, my dog was on. That's June. She's. Hi, June. She just sits with me on the I couch. Licks me. Excellent. Yeah, I hear the thump, 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 thump of a tail. Sorry. What's on your mind? So when I went to earlier this year, I went back to see my grandparents in West Virginia. And their neighbor had a wallaby in their Ooh. front yard. So I was curious, do you think wallabies would be a good like starter pet for kangaroos since they're much smaller? Do, do you know if they Where do they involve, live? Send me their address. Do you know if they have the same <laughs> um, licensing requirements as kangaroos in the United States? Or can you get in under the, like if you're in DC and you don't have a kangaroo license, can you sort of slip through the wallaby loophole <laughs> what if there's like it's like a housing association that would be a great no opportunity to say the phrase it's a wallaby officer <laughs> i would i would love to be able to say that 
Maybe it's like the dog, like the like the pet size limits on apartments they have in like uh, in New York. Like you have to have a like a dog under twenty five pounds or something to live in a certain type of co op. Uh, it's like that for a housing association in West Virginia. The Wallaby Loophole, by the way, is a very good name for a band. Yeah, <laughs> it's a very good name. <laughs> oh my god! It so, what do you think, Jordan? All their songs would be like twenty-five minutes long. There's like no question. <laughs> yeah. What do you think? Is it yeah. is the Wallaby the gateway marsupial? <laughs> <laughs> No, the gateway marsupial. I mean, I think you would. Player. I think if you wanted to start with a marsupial, you would trap a possum, right? There's like loads of possums around here. Yeah. Did you hear about that guy who had his possum taken away? No. That was no. saying these things, and people think like, magnets work in space, and like, did you hear about the guy who had his possum taken away? And then you both. Kate, just, I like, just, I'm, I'm coming away from this feeling like that. Kate is on a much better internet than the rest of us are on. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're um, they cheer up. Uh, I'm laughing so hard. Um, no, there was that. There was this. Um, this actually, he's like a buck. He's like a gay, like bucking bronco, like rodeo star. But he also re like rescues animals in his spare time. But he doesn't have a wildlife rehabilitator license, and he had a like a gluten intolerant, like diabetic, like possum that he had like rescued and like fed this special diet and took special special care of that was like half blind and half deaf and like he had a whole instagram set up for it and then like i think it was in like arkansas or alabama or something and they came and they took it away from him and euthanized it it was very sad that is sad yeah i'm just telling you all yeah. that the are we going to do a whole policy show on whether there should be licensing requirements for wildlife rehabilitation oh i would love that you should have an administrative yeah. burdens guy on and talk about that. The yeah. Gateway marsupials, by the way, are opening at Wolf Trap this week for uh, for the <laughs> Wallaby loophole. Um, Wolf Trap. I I feel like they would stay away from Wolf Trap. Uh, I don't know. But... They're more, you know they're they're Australian marsupials. What do they know from wolves? All right. On a serious note, Jordan. So for those of you who don't know this about Jordan. Uh, among other things that he has uh, 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 expertise in, he's spent a fair bit of time thinking about redistricting being both a mathematician and a Wisconsinite. So we should ask, how bad is it going to be? Or is Wisconsin already so gerrymandered that there really isn't much work, more work that the legislature can do this year? I, you know, I do have have a, uh, I do have a talking point about this, actually. I wasn't thinking I was going to say, but let me bring it up. I think that there has been a huge, that there's been a huge amount of attention to the redistricting process and gerrymandering this cycle, much more than what there, that there was and should have been in 2010, which is great. But almost everything I read is about the House of Representatives, and I think that's taking your eye off the ball a little bit. I mean, I think, first of all, representative districts are bigger. So, you know, in Wisconsin, you know, probably the issue is, are there going to be to, you know, it, it's really a difference between whether it's going to be like six and two or five and three. There's not really a way for there to be a lot of competitive districts in Wisconsin at the federal level. What's more, different states have legislators run by different parties. And so there's some amount of canceling, gerrymander as they might. There's sort of some argument that um, 
that it'll at least partially cancel out. The state legislative districts are being much less talked about, and that I think is where the real action is because there you have the direct feedback. The legislators are voting on their own districts. So in Wisconsin, um, or and even more so in the states with undivided government, um, one party is drawing the entire map to its own benefit, which is not ever going to be true for the House of Representatives. And so it's all magnified there. And I think, look, for people who are concerned about sort of undercutting the basic rules, state legislatures are where it's going to happen. It's not going to happen in Congress. So I would ask the people who are not gerrymandering think a lot more about these state legislative lines which wisconsin are gerrymandered much much worse than our congressional district lines now what's going to happen here it's over my pay grade maybe you guys can explain it to me there's a huge battle about it's clearly going to go to court because we have a democratic governor or a republican legislature there's a huge battle over what court is going to take it whether it's going to be in state or federal who's allowed to intervene it's the math I understand, the law I do not. So it's not at all clear to me how this is going to be resolved. I can explain. I, think, um, I can explain the law to you. the The law is pretty simple, actually, which is that the Supreme Court said a couple years ago that partisan redistricting, as distinct from racial uh, gerrymanders, are do not present a justiciable question for in federal court. So that leaves the question of whether state constitutional provisions might, and that will vary a fair bit from state to state. So for example, in North Carolina and Pennsylvania- oh, no, this, this part I know, Ben. The question is what happens if the legislature passes a map and the governor vetoes it? I think the on its own. Jordan, you are, you are breaking up like a congressional district in Wisconsin. Um, uh, not to mention a dismembered wallaby. Sorry. Um, <laughs> sorry. Like, no one wants to imagine that. <laughs> sorry. Um, I, so I don't hear what, uh, I didn't hear what you, um, uh, what you came back at what the procedures are for redistricting and what the specific role courts will play in them varies a lot from state to state. My impression in Wisconsin is that the legislature has the final say, partly because it has a veto-proof majority in one party, right? It doesn't. Yeah, so I don't... I don't know the answer to the question of what Wisconsin's specific allocation of powers when the when the governor and the legislature disagree. I think they leave it to their well, traditionally pet kangaroos it's been that a federal court draws the map. <laughs> you guys both make a kangaroo joke at the same time. I don't know what Jordan did because he keeps I didn't. breaking up. What's your um, wallaby sorry. joke? Anyway. I had to move farther from the Wi-Fi to get my uh, electricity. I'm so well, happy that you joined us today. This was so fun. Yeah, I think we're gonna we're gonna uh, we're gonna uh, close it out. Jordan Ellenberg, you're a great American, a great kangaroo owning enthusiast. Um uh 
Uh, please tweet pictures of your kangaroo herd. Um, and um, we will all pretend to take it seriously. Um, we will be back tomorrow. Um, uh, Kate, who's joining us tomorrow? Uh, Nicholson Price is going to be back. Uh, winner. Winner of the one, the only, in lieu of fun, bow tie tying competition against a head of state. Um, he crushed. Tomas still has not recovered from the defeat. I know. He just stopped coming to in lieu of fun, actually. We're going to actually have him back tomorrow for a rematch. That'll be great. And, not since yeah. Ben wrestled Vladimir Putin as a head of state been humiliated so thoroughly. <laughs> well, Putin won't show up, but Tomas, to his credit, <laughs> showed up for this and, you know, took his loss like the champion that he is. Uh, Nicholson Price will join us tomorrow. That'll be 23 hours and three minutes from now. And until then, Kate. Wow. We don't have fun anymore. But we do have Halloween herds of phantom kangaroos in Wisconsin. Is are those kangaroos behind you? I thought so. Enjoy everyone. They are. They're the kangaroos and the wallabies of Wisconsin. Yes. See you tomorrow, guys. You can just see the